to speak on. And so I knew what that meant. I knew that meant uh, more than likely I would find out this morning. Right. And uh, can I, Brian, I'm sorry, can I get turned down just a tad? Because uh, where I'm looking down, it, but this morning as I, as I left the house and I began praying and then just asking the Lord what he wanted me to speak about, the word that I kept hearing over and over and over was unbelief. Just uh, just kept hearing the word unbelief. And, and I, so I, I, I want to minister on that this morning. But uh, And we're going to go to Mark chapter 9 and begin with verse 14 here in a few minutes. Um got to go old school this morning. you got to look it up yourself. We don't have the words on the screen, so uh, I'll try to move a little bit slower than normal. But um, I had the thought yesterday. You know, we, we just came uh, this past week. We just had the, the school shooting in Texas. And, uh, you know, that was obviously that was awful. And that was pure, pure evil. But there is... Yesterday I was thinking along the lines of faith and fear and just thinking about the lesson that we actually learn from fear because we actually do learn a lesson from fear. Um, you know, there, there is a statistic out there. I don't know how accurate it is. I've asked Keisha about it. Keisha says it's accurate that she's seen it um, <clears throat> in more educational stuff. But... Um, there's a statistic that says up to 90% of all sickness is stress-induced. You know, and, and stress is just another way of saying worry, care, anxiety. And it's all fruit of the same root, which is fear. Right? If stress is a result of, you know, it's at the, at the root, it's fear. Anxiety at the root is fear. Uh, all worry, root, is fear. So all of that we can say, but you know, think about the way fear actually impacts your physical body. Um, like when someone begins to feel fear, when someone begins to feel anxiety, their body, body literally begins to respond to that fear, right? They will begin to shake, they will, their heart will begin to race. Um, and, and, and there's more things. And over time, uh, the medical community tells us that this can weaken someone's immune system and even cause more serious sickness, more serious diseases. So here's the thing about that. Fear, this is what this teaches me. Fear has an impact, a, a strong impact on your physical body, both immediately and in the short term and in the long term. If that's the case with fear, how much more so with faith? But we tend to not look at it that way. We tend to think, well, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to read the Word, and maybe eventually faith will come. No, faith will have short-term effects and long-term effects. That's why just, if you go and you'll open your Bible and you'll do it with a heart that's just ready to receive from the Lord, you'll experience peace. Like right then in that moment, you will experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. So there's a lesson that we learn from fear. And, and fear can actually teach us about the power of faith and the effects of faith. And, uh, but there's kind of like, you know, the, the, the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? 
That's kind of the way it is with fear and unbelief. Which came first? I don't know if fear, you know, brings unbelief or if unbelief brings fear. It really doesn't matter. They're 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 joined together at the hip. They're connected at the hip, and and, and fear and unbelief they always go together. And when you hear someone speak about unbelief, and you hear me speak about unbelief this morning, don't don't get into condemnation. Don't get into guilt. Don't get feeling bad because what I want to help you do this morning because I struggle with these things myself from time to time, is we want to get out of that place of unbelief and we want to get back into that place of faith. right? We want to get into that place where uh, we are believing the best, that we have a heart full of hope, a confident expectation of good, and that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what's going on in the world, we are full of hope and we are full of faith. Okay, and so let's go to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin with verse 14. Um, it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around him and scribes disputing with him. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Notice it's not that they would not, but they could not. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And I love that Jesus says, bring him to me. Right now, that, that's such a word for us even this morning. The things that we can't accomplish, the things that we can't get done, the things that we're not seeing anything, uh, you know, seems like we're not seeing any breakthrough. Jesus' response to them is his response to us. Bring it to me. And I just love that. Verse 20. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And I know I've ministered a lot about this, but this has always amazed me. That here is, if you've ever been around someone who has a seizure, it's not a moment of peace. It's not time for conversation, right? Uh, our son Jordy, who's now with Jesus, he used to have seizures where he just completely quit breathing. And when that would happen, it was just chaos in the house, right? Trying to get up, trying to call 911 and all, all those things. It's just chaos, right? And so this boy is having, you know, he's having the type of seizures that, that are just, they're violent, okay? And if you've, and I've been around people that's had those kind of seizures. It's not a peaceful moment where you look to the person next to you and say, and say how long have they been doing this, right? This is such an example of the peace of Jesus. And I love this because we learn later in John, he would say, my peace I give to you. Right? We have this peace. Verse, uh, well, verse 21. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
And I believe that the reason Jesus asked this question is because the solution is the same. He, he's about to heal the boy, right? The, the solution is the same. Just speak healing, it'll be done. I think what Jesus is getting to is he's trying to figure out why isn't this working? All right, why are the disciples praying and nothing's happening? All right, and, and, and look here, he says, From childhood, verse 22, And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And how many knows that's Jesus' specialty? Has compassion on us, helps us. Verse 23, Look what Jesus says. Jesus, so the, the, the Father says, if you can do anything. In verse 23, Jesus says, if you can believe anything. All right? All things are possible to him who believes. Now, I just had a, a revelation on this verse recently that just totally opened this up to me. Um, you, if you remember months back, I preached on imagination. I, I used this verse and connected it to imagination. Believe and imagine, they're co-equal words biblically. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 9 here, he says, To him who believes all things are possible. In Genesis chapter 11, it says, Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. It's saying the exact same thing. So believe, if you want to, to practically know how to believe, it's just to imagine. Now, that throws people off because they're like, okay, that, that's, a, that's just childhood stuff. No, when you think about a child pretending, that's fantasy. Now, it involves their imagination, but it, it's, it's, not, that's, it's, it's not believing. Right? Because if you ask a child, is there literally a castle there with a dragon? Is there really one? They'll say no. But biblically, believing it's imagining the truth. It's seeing the truth with the eyes of your heart, with the eyes of your spirit rather than with your physical eyes. But Mark 9, 23, to him who believes all things are possible. We always read that and only think of the positive. So here's what Jesus was saying. When you believe, the moment you believe something, it becomes possible. But he does not say the moment you believe good things, it becomes possible. The moment, and this was the revelation to me, the moment you believe anything is possible, that's the moment it becomes possible in your life. That works in the positive and that works in the negative. So if you think it's possible that this happens, the moment you think that, the moment you believe that it's possible, guess what? You just open the door, it's now possible. Positive, negative. I've seen that over and over again in the pandemic, and if you'll think about it, you did too. It, it just, it works. Whatever you believe is possible, that's the moment it becomes possible. So that helps me to think, and here's what I begin to evaluate in my own life. What are some things in the negative that I look at and I think, you know, that could happen? Because if I think that, guess what? I just opened the door and made it a possibility in my life. Yes, that can happen. So you know, when I've seen that, here's what I began to do. The moment I had those thoughts, the moment I had those, those imaginations, I began to speak out loud, that's not possible. People say, no, you're just denying. No, I'm not. 
I'm just, I'm, I, am, I am determining what is possible in my life. Proverbs 4.23, therefore guard the heart, right? He said guard the heart above all things, the New Living Translation says, for it determines the course of your life. So what he's saying is your heart determines what's possible and what's impossible. And the eyes of your heart is your imagination. So you know how to tell what you really believe about something. It's not the Bible verses you know. It's not what you tell the doctor you know, what you tell uh, me you know. What you truly believe is revealed by what you spend your time imagining. All right? This is not where I meant to go, but I think it's very important. So listen, when you have those thoughts that says, well, what if this? Yeah. Immediately speak out loud and say, that's not possible. Again, you're not in denial. You're putting yourself in faith. Yes. Why? Because God said, for example, sickness. Well, what if this happens to me? What if I get this? Yeah. That's not possible. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. See, because the way it happens for a lot of us is we hear it happen to someone else. And then you think, well, what if? Right then, you know what needs to come out of your mouth? A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, but it won't come near me. Right? This is one of the ways, listen, I was, I was pulling weeds yesterday in our driveway. And like our driveway has just become like, it is the cat, the, I'm going to say weed capital, but I've already lived in weed capital when I was out in Colorado. But it's like become the capital of weeds, right? Like it's just overrun with weeds. And, uh, and uh, you know, yesterday I was pulling those weeds. Some of them came up easy. Some of them did not. And I had the thought, you know, if I'd been doing this since March, it wouldn't got this bad. Right? And that's the way it is with our thought life. If we will learn to cast down something, cast down an imagination, cast down a thought, as soon as it comes, listen, unbelief won't be as big of a battle. Unbelief takes root when we sit there and we feed that imagination. When we feed that thought. And we need to, listen, Paul would not have said cast down down every imagination which exalts itself against the knowledge of God if it wasn't possible. See, we've, we can't, we've got to be real careful because right now the culture is trying to push this lie that, that you're not responsible for up here. Come on. We've got to be real careful with that because you know what that is? That's anti-Christ. Yep. Because the teaching of Jesus says, listen, he said, take no thought. Yep. Yep. In other words, he's saying you have the choice. Do you want that thought or do you not? If you don't, don't take it. How do you take it? You imagine it, you speak it, you feed it. He's saying don't take it. So any, any belief, any idea, whether it comes from the political spectrum or the religious spectrum or whatever that says you can't help what you think about, you can't help what's going on in your brain, you can't help these things, it's anti-Christ because it goes against the teachings of Jesus. All right? So we are in more control of our thought life, of, our, of the beliefs of our heart than we realize. All right? 
Now, go with me. Well, actually, let's, let's keep reading here. Mark 9, let's see, verse 20, 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So now let me ask you this. Did the father have unbelief? He said he has unbelief, right? Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And this has caused people to believe that what Jesus was talking about was demons. That demons can only come out when you're praying enough, when you're fasting enough. But Matthew chapter 17 actually tells us or shows us that's not what Jesus was referring to. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19, it's the same story. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Now look here, verse 20. Because Jesus said to them, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Now this is fascinating to me because, listen, I, I've been very blessed by this Word of Faith teachings have been a, a huge blessing to me. But I know that most, most of the teachings I've heard about faith and unbelief, they're like, well, listen, if it's not working, it's because you've got unbelief. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus should have never cast a demon out of that boy because the Father admitted, I've got unbelief. But Jesus points to them and says, well, it was your unbelief that was the problem. Now, that's just fascinating to me. And one, it tells me that as people who pray for others, we've got to stop blaming them. We have to take some responsibility ourselves. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame you. I'll blame me before I blame you or God. Okay? But he says here, For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind, this kind of what? This kind of unbelief does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So the scriptures really teach us there are three ways to deal with unbelief. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And the first one, let's go to John chapter 8. Go with me to John chapter 8, and I think we're going to look at verse 31. John chapter 8, verse yeah, 31. So three ways to deal with with unbelief. The first one right here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The first way that we, we come against unbelief is with the truth. This is always has to be the case. Now the problem is that most of us know the truth. Like most of us in our grace, faith circles, we know the truth, but if we're being honest, we still struggle with unbelief. We don't necessarily have a knowledge problem, right? But anyways, verse 32, Jesus says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
All you need to be free is the truth. That is the life-giving power of the truth. And uh, really quick, Hebrews chapter 4, I want to read this with you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 12 and 13. I want to read this and then I want to make a point with it. Um, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, this is important because in chapter 3, he began dealing with the results of Israel's unbelief. So this is important to us today. And this is kind of his conclusion of the matter. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now let me say this real quick. I've heard a lot of people try to say that the word of God being spoken of here in verse 12 is Jesus, not Scripture. Now, let me tell you why that's not the case. One, first off, we've got to get out of this mindset that we can separate Jesus and the Scriptures. That's just ridiculous. If that was the case, then Jesus wouldn't have came preaching the Scriptures, right? But the reason I know that this is talking about Scripture, because in chapter 3, he's talking about what God said to them. And he said, but it did not profit them because they did not mix what they heard with faith. So he's specifically speaking about what God had spoken to them. And here's the reason I know it's not just talking about the person of Jesus that we fellowship with, that we, that we talk to, that talks to us. Because he says, this word of God will divide the soul and the spirit. Now your spirit, we know, is born again. It's a new creation. It's one with, with God. It's united with Jesus. But now your soul, your soul can be up and down. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your emotions oftentimes are fickle. Right? Again, it's another thing we've got to fight with culture right now because culture is coming and saying you are your feelings. Your identity is your feeling. Well, how do you feel? That's who you are. No. That's not the case. Now, you will always follow your feelings, but you have to understand your feelings are almost like warning lights. They're letting you know whether you're going, whether things are good. Like when I got my car this morning, turned it on, and no light popped up and said engine trouble. I knew my car was good, right? So if I'm experiencing happiness, peace, joy, love, everything's good, right? But if, I'm, if I find myself anxious, if I find myself fearful, if I find myself angry, that's the warning light. The warning light is telling me there's, there's, there's trouble here. There's something going on that needs checked out. All right? So your soul, there can be thoughts that are directly from the Spirit of God, but there can also be thoughts that are from your soul. They're not from God. They're not from the enemy. They're just your soul. They're just, that, it's just your mind. And a lot of times it comes from what you've seen or what you've heard. Like a while ago, I talked about, well, what if this happens? Right? Now, it can be the enemy. It can't, you know, but a lot of times I'm just convinced that we give the devil too much credit. And it's us. But, um, so the idea that this is talking about the person of Jesus right now who's sitting at the right hand of God, that, listen, let's all be quiet real quick. Just for a minute, let's be quiet and let's let Jesus tell us whether this thought is our spirit or our soul. Right? You wouldn't know how to, to, to determine that if it was not for what is written. 
Because Jesus will never disagree with what has been written and, and applicable under the new covenant. Right? If he didn't fulfill it and it's still good, he won't counter that. Alright? But here, look here. This is that, that that's a freebie. You're welcome. That's free. That's not even why I'm there. Verse 13. You just listen. You just have to be aware of any teaching that downplays the value and the role of scriptures in the believer's life. And I'm telling you, that is the one thing that I tell people when you hear that run. Alright? Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Or the King James says, to whom, uh, how, how does the King James say? Uh, with whom we have to do. See, I, I like that rendering better. Because I heard a story last night. If any of you have heard of Derek, uh, Derek Prince. Uh, Derek Prince was big on casting out demons and stuff. I don't know about all this theology. I, I've, I've not read much of his. But uh, Derek Prince was, was at one point an atheist. And Derek Prince was a very, very smart man. And just so you know, Derek Prince has no relation to Joseph Prince. Like, total opposite spectrums here. But... Uh, Derek Prince was a Cam uh, Cambridge scholar. That means this dude was smart. This guy was educated. And so he felt like, okay, if I'm going to argue against the Bible, it's sort of unfair if I've never read it. So he decided I'm going to read the Bible. So, and because he knew all English versions or translations, he decided he'd read the Bible in the, in the Greek language in the New Testament, which it was originally written. So Derek Prince began reading the New Testament and in the Greek, and his journey to faith began with this thought. He said that he got mad at this book because as he read it, this is what he said, as I read it, I found it was reading me. And that bothered him. It bothered him that this book could point out the wrong. It bothered him that this book could uh, remove any, any hope he had in his good deeds, in him being a good person. He said, I didn't like it, and I got mad because when I read it, I found it was reading me. This is the number one way I believe that we should be dealing with unbelief is when you read this book, let it read you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, listen, I know Derek's story, but remember, he was an atheist. He was someone who was not in right standing with God. And that's one of the purposes of the law, is to point us to our need for a Savior. And that's what the book was doing for him. But for you as a new creation, when you read this book, it'll tell you that you're blameless, that you're spotless, that you're without a single fault, that you're one with Jesus, that you're a new creation, old things have passed away, all things have become new, that you, that you have been loved with an everlasting love. right? But any area in your life where you have unbelief, and let me tell you something, we've all got unbelief in one area. Like everybody has something in here this morning that are struggling with unbelief in an area. That's right. How do you know? What's that area that you're anxious about? What's that area that you're worried about? What's that, that area that you, you've got to care about? Right? Listen, don't get condemned, but that's just unbelief. It's all it is. And But when you read this book, 
one of my biggest issues is with our modern grace teaching is so many of us, we go to this book and we look at it like, okay, this is the grace book. All right? and, and this book is just, it's just Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22. It's just going to teach me about how much God loves me and it's just going to teach me about grace. And anything that kind of contradicts that, we just want to toss that out. Right? We can't do that. This, now, this book will teach me about grace. This book will teach me about faith. This book will teach me God loves me. But you know what it will also do? Grant, now you know you shouldn't do that. You know you shouldn't be thinking that way. Let the book, re and here's what I'm getting at. Let this book reveal to you any unbelief that's in your heart. Any place where you're doubting God. Any place where you're, where you're wondering, will he be compassionate and merciful towards me in this area? Will he meet me with his grace in this area? Listen, let, that, let this book reveal that to you. And, and when you come across that, and, and this you're reading it, but it's reading you, deal with it right then. Alright, don't... we got to quit reading the book looking for what we want. And don't think that I'm talking about sin and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Because, let's go to, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter uh, 4 verse 6 says, or it might be 6 verse 4. But, um, this word is powerful. And when we submit ourselves to it, to its counsel, did you know Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21? Actually, i got to go read that. Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, verses 18 through 21. Listen, listen to this. Uh, I want to begin with verse 21 here. Verse 21 says that you're... That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of heaven upon the earth. Now, I used to, I've preached that my whole life. You can have days of heaven upon the earth. Here's your checklist. You can have days of heaven upon the earth. If you do this, you'll have days of heaven upon the earth. Verse, the beginning of verse 21, the first word is so that. The first word, so that. Or in order that, because of that. So let's find out what that is that will give us days of heaven upon the earth. Back in verse 31. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of heaven upon the earth. So you, when we love this book, when we love God's word, not the leather, not the maps, not the but what God's actually said to us when I love E.W. Kenyon, I'm very influenced by E.W. Kenyon. And E.W. Kenyon's, you know, he was very big on the power of the word. And this work, if we'll be consumed by it, 
if we'll meditate upon it, if we'll imagine it. Listen, let this fill your imagination above Facebook. Let this fill your imagination above Fox News, CNN, your, your favorite commentator, whoever, your favorite sport. Let this book fill your imagination with good things. Right? But let's go on. 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses... 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Um, I'm going to go somewhere with that. I did that one first because I knew that would be the one to make everybody mad. So I just went ahead and got that one out of the way. Alright, verse uh, 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. So remember, now we're going to deal with the two things that Jesus said would get rid of unbelief. The first one was prayer. Right? In verse 7 here, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. A lot of our negative thoughts, a lot of our condemnation, a lot of our guilt, a lot of our anxiety, a lot of our depression would not gain root in our life. Those weeds would not gain root in our life if we would pull them the moment we see them. Practically speaking, do you know how to do this? When you have an anxious thought, you just give it to God. And, and I used to, man, this is one of those verses. For years, I preached this, and if you came up to me and you said, how do I do it? I could have never told you. Because there are certain things preachers can preach real good, but they can't tell you how to live. Right? Like they, 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 they know it sounds good. They know we can put it up on our walls and we can make a painting about it and put it above the altar and stuff like that. But it, 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 it's, it's not very practical. We don't know how to do it. And for years, this, was, this verse was that for me. Like, how do I cast a care on someone I can't see? And uh, one time, God taught me this lesson through an experience with Jeremiah. We had one, this has been years ago, Graham was like two or three, and we just had a lot of things going on in our personal life, specifically with Graham. Graham was like three years old, and he wasn't saying a word. And that was just eating me up. Like, I mean, that was the weed in my heart, and not the Colorado weed. That, that was the issue in my heart. That was where my unbelief, where my doubt was coming from. And Jeremiah and I went to Starbucks, and... We were just sitting there, and I just unloaded on this guy. I mean, for like 15 minutes, I just spewed out every negative thought, all the unbelief, all the doubt I had. And I'll never forget when I was done, like I just shut up, and I looked at him, and he's just like, like he didn't know what to do. I mean, I just unloaded three years of unbelief on this guy. And like, he was just so quiet. And I was just, you know, and then, but... In that silence, it's just a few seconds, and then he said something. But in that silence, I, heard, I, I noticed something. God, was, God spoke to him. He said, do you feel that? I didn't have that care anymore. I didn't have that fear anymore. I didn't have that worry anymore. It's like I had cast that care upon Jeremiah. And without him saying a word... And he eventually did and counseled me and, and, and it helped me. But just getting it out yeah. gave me so much relief. Yeah. And we're so afraid so many times in our faith circles that if we go to God and we express our unbelief, if we express our, anx our anxiety, our, our worry, 
that are fear, that God's like somehow going to get ticked off. That he's like, well, that, that, can, that canceled you out. Listen, when the Father, that's the, that's the reason I brought up the Father. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. That didn't cause Jesus to say, well, you're sorry. You just, you just ruined it. No. That qualified him for what Jesus could do. Right? Now, it doesn't mean unbelief's okay. It doesn't mean unbelief is good. But listen, unbelief, not even unbelief, will, can, can, can disqualify you from receiving help from Jesus. But when I let that out, when I cast that care on Jeremiah, I instantly felt peace. And God said, this is what casting your care upon me looks like. You need to, listen, you need to do it with God. You need to say it in prayer. When it comes, you can release it to God. But let me tell you, sometimes God will look like somebody like Jeremiah. Sometimes it will be someone else that God, that, that God is in that you need to cast your care upon. And I always tell this to people when they get up with me and, and they're, they're worried about something, they're anxious about something, and I can sense it, but they're not releasing it. I always say to them, you need to find someone that you can talk to without judgment, without condemnation, without guilt. You need to just find someone that you can let all of this out on. Right? Cast your care over on him. And you'll be I can tell you how many people get back up with me and they're like, listen, once I released all that, like I don't worry about it no more. I do that with my life. Like when I've got, when I start getting like uh, fear or anxiety about something, uh, you know, and I didn't learn this for years. This has just been a lesson God's taught me within the last year. Now I just go to Keisha and I'm like, listen, I've got to talk to you about something. I'm having this thought. Is this something I should be worried about? Yeah. And I found that every time by the end of that conversation, all my fear, all my worry, all my anxiety is gone. Because I have found God in someone that I can cast the care onto. Right? So we need to cast the care. And here's one reason. Look here, verse 8. The thought continues. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, the idea here is the person that he can devour is the person with the care. That's why he says, listen, cast all your care upon him. Because if you don't, the enemy can devour you. Why? Because he, once he sees something's bothering you, yeah. have you ever noticed that? When something's bothering you, all of a sudden everybody come up to you and talk to you about it. Like they may not know that you're having those thoughts. Yeah. You'll turn the TV on, you'll see that commercial. Yeah. That medical commercial is like, listen, you got this, but you need this. It'll probably kill you, but at least, you'll, at least you won't have that, right? Like the moment you have a care, the enemy goes to work. And he will do everything he can to put that before your eyes and to bring that to your attention. He will feed it and feed it and feed it and feed it. Verse 9, resist him. How do you resist him? Get rid of the care. Get rid of the worry. Get rid of the anxiety. Get rid of the fear. Steadfast in the faith. Now, this is so important. I want to bring this out really quick. The faith. There is a difference in the faith and just faith. Now, every one of us in here can be having faith for something different. There's some of you who, uh, I know you're believing God for a house. All right. There's some of you I know that's believing God for healing. 
right? Now, I might be believing for a house, but not believing for healing, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? You could be believing for healing, but not believing for a house. That's right. So we can have faith for different things. But the one thing we've all got in common is the faith. See, the faith has to be the source of our faith. Yes. Yes. 2 Corinthians 13.5, this is the way it's often quoted. Examine yourselves whether you be in faith. That's not what it says. It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And then he says, know you not that Christ is in you. The faith is when the source of your faith is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The faith is when your qualification to receive the promise is about what Jesus has done for you. And here's the problem. The reason he said examine yourselves whether you be in the faith is because most Christians, they're not in the faith. And let me explain what I mean by that. They think that what qualifies them for the house, what qualifies them for healing, what qualifies them for the peace, what qualifies them for the promotion, what qualifies them for the joy is themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and even their ability to believe, their ability to quote, their ability, to, their, their church attendance, something like that. But we have to get to that place where, you know why I'm qualified for a house? You know why I'm qualified for healing? Because Jesus provided yeah. it for me in the death, burial, and the resurrection. Yeah. I have found over the years when praying for people for healing that if you ask them, how do you know God wants you well, they'll say 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes we were healed. God spoke to me a few years ago and this is what he said to me. He said, Grant, 1 Peter 2.24 has never healed a single person. And I immediately rebuked him like Peter. You know, I was like, get behind me, Satan. All right? Like, I know 1 Peter 2.24 and I've stood on it myself. It works. God's like, no. It's a, what makes 1 Peter 2.24 is it reveals the source of your healing. By his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 has never healed a single person. But the stripes of Jesus has healed every single person. So the question is, you can have your faith in 1 Peter 2.24, but it... You might, it might work, it might not. But if your faith is in the stripes of Jesus, in other words, what Jesus did for you, what Jesus paid for you, it'll work because you're in the faith. You, you've put your faith where it belongs, and that's in the work of Jesus. Unbelief in, in this modern church is primarily, and not Grace Point, I just mean in, in our, our modern church, the reason we have unbelief is because our faith we're qualifying ourselves based on what we do, not on what Jesus has done. Based on our knowledge, not what Jesus has done. Based on, based on our attendance, not what he has done. Okay, so we, we've got to get to that place where we are believing based on what Jesus has done. Now, here's another thing about prayer. So I, I shared that like, like with Jeremiah there, I just unloaded on him, right? I, I spewed all that on him. But now, here's the thing. Eventually, Jeremiah spoke back to me, and he comforted me, and he encouraged me, right? And he, and he spoke to me a word straight from God, right? And here's why I'm saying this is prayer, the reason many of us get frustrated with our prayer life is because we've made it a monologue, not a dialogue, okay? And prayer is, listen, faith, if you're struggling with faith in this moment, 
you've not heard from God. I, I shared the thought on Facebook the other day, and most of you probably seen it. Fellowship with God can never produce fear, worry, anxiety, depression. And there was somebody who got in there and commented, they, they, they got upset because they thought what I'm saying is if you're experiencing those things, you're a bad person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the solution to your anxiety, the solution to your worry and fear is found in fellowship with God. Because if you think that I'm wrong about that, how many anxious people do you think are in heaven right now? How many worried people do you think are in heaven right now? Now, I'm not saying anxiety and worry keeps you out of heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's nobody in heaven right now who's, they might have lived 80 years on this earth worried and fearful about everything. And the moment they got there and got in his presence, all that fear and worry was gone. Okay? When you fellowship with him and you hear from him, faith comes. Faith comes by how? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now, there is a truth that one of those ways is through Scripture, but reading, you can read this book from front to back, Genesis 1, Revelation 22, but if you don't hear something from God while you're reading it, it does you no good. There's sometimes, I know when I go on about the Bible, you guys think, Grant just sits there and reads like clearly 80 chapters a day. Sometimes I read one word and God speaks to me through that one word. I close it, I'm done. Now, me and God's not done talking about that. The rest of the day, I'm focused upon that one word. This morning, like I said, this morning, I never opened my Bible. As soon as I woke up, God started speaking that word to me, unbelief. And so the whole way here, I was praying in the Spirit, talking to God, Him talking to me about unbelief. Right? It's, it's, it's a dialogue. If it's just you reading the Bible, it's a monologue. We got to get where this thing is a dialogue. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21. I love this verse. It says, For with men of other tongues and of, and of other lips will I speak to this people. Now, the words other men have been, they're italicized. They're not in the original language. It actually says, For with other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And then I love the end of the verse. It says, yet for that, they will not hear me. If, if you're struggling to hear from God, spend time praying in the Spirit. Spend time praying in tongues, and you'll hear God. You'll hear from God. He actually pointed, 1 first, first Corinthians 14, 21, and said that was one of the reasons people won't hear Him. Because He's trying to speak to them through another tongue and another lip. When I come in like this morning, like I said, all week, man, nothing's on my heart to speak. What am I going to speak? You know what I, that tells me? I got to pray in the Spirit. I got to pray in the Spirit. And when, and when you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're fearful, that is the time to pray in the Spirit. Because how many of you know most of the time we're dealing with those things, we don't even know how to pray. Right? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it can be just a struggle. Job chapter 23, verse 12. I want to read this real quick. Going back to this thought of, of, of dialogue, not a monologue. Job 23, verse 12. 
Now this is Job speaking. Now this is interesting. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. This is one of those verses that we quote, and it sounds real good. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now here's what's interesting about this. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. When Job lived, there was no Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He didn't know about David, didn't know about Samuel, those guys hadn't lived yet. So what is he talking about? There is no scripture. But he's saying, his words are more necessary to me than my food. He's talking about what I'm talking to you guys about right now, hearing from God. Right? I get in this book, but my purpose in getting in this book is I want to hear from God. Now, the way God primarily speaks to me is he quickens something in this book to me. That's the way God primarily speaks to me is, uh, like I said this morning, that one word, unbelief. Right? And then it's just like a download. That's the only way. I don't know how people explained what a revelation is before computers and internet and stuff. Because the only way I can explain it is it's like a download. It's like, I, I did not know anything about this subject two seconds ago. Now I feel like I could write a book on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, just like, it's just like this download. But anyways, we've got to get to that place. When you read your Bible, when you're listening to it, like this morning when Brian was leading worship, your goal in that moment, so think about this going into next week. Think about that this coming week when you're like even listening to worship music. Your goal in worship should be to hear from Him. Yeah. Your goal when I'm up speaking, when Jeremiah's up speaking, is not to get more knowledge. It should be I want to hear from him. And I told, I told you guys about this recently. Patty uh, Mitchell on, on Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, Jeremiah let everybody share testimonies. Patty was the first one. When Patty spoke, what she spoke was so profound to me, had such an impact on me. God just ministered to me. Um, I, I can't tell you. I feasted on it for four or five days. And I'm sorry to the rest of you who testified after that. I have no clue what you said. Why? Because I heard from God. I heard from God. That should be your goal this morning. That should be your goal this week. I want to hear from you. Right? And we're very blessed. Listen, you guys talk to me all the time. We're very blessed here in this church. I know that you guys do that. Because we're so blessed because, you know... I ministered at other churches, and I can remember, you know, in the past, like nobody ever came to me and said, God's speaking, this, God's speaking about this to me. But here, you guys are always doing it with me. And I love that. That's, I love that. That's powerful. That's maturity. But that should be our goal. All right, guys, I'm about to finish. The last thing that Jesus said, uh, way to deal with unbelief, is through fasting. This is the fun one, right? Um, and this is something that God's been ministering to me on in the last week. Now, we know that when we fast, we understand under the new covenant, we're not trying to get God to do anything. That's not the purpose of fasting. Now, I used to fast that way, and listen, you know, God blessed me in my ignorance. Right? Like, I can remember uh, we would have a revival, and I would fast. Me and, me and the other guys, we would fast, like rotate days for like three weeks and fast. And then we had this awesome revival. You know what we think? It's because we fasted. Who got the credit? We were patting ourselves on the back, right? 
No, you know what happened was that fasting helped us get our it helped clear our mind to get it on Jesus. Even though I'm pretty sure most of the time I lied and had like a honey bun or something, but but I didn't tell them that because it made me look good, right? Like yeah, boy, we fasted. I I gotta get my pat on the back too. But we fast. Look, look here, Isaiah chapter fifty-eight. I'm about telling myself they're gonna watch this and be like all those times we fasted, music and honey buns. <laughs> <laughs> That's God's honest truth. I wish it wasn't, but that is. Uh, Isaiah 58, verse, verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? He's like, is this my idea? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Now I'm going somewhere with this. Look here, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Now think about this. He's talking about fasting, but he's telling them to share their bread. They shouldn't be nowhere around bread for fasting. Here's what I'm getting at. When you read this, Isaiah 58, verse 8, jump down to this. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Here's why I'm bringing that out. This is what this teaches me. What you fast isn't as important as the results of the fast. What you need to fast from is whatever is feeding your unbelief. And here's the thought that I'm, I'm having, and please stick with me here. Do you know that I believe that if God himself was to call a corporate fast throughout the world with the church, I don't believe he would tell you to abstain from food. If God was calling a corporate fast today, you know what I think he would tell us all to abstain from? Now, I'm not telling you to do this, all right? This is just what God's ministering to me. I think he would tell us to abstain from social media. I think he would say you need to abstain and fast from the news. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I'm about to be 34 this week. Uh, you know my favorite show? I'm an old soul. My favorite show in the world is the Andy Griffith Show. You know why I don't like to watch Andy Griffith Show? The commercials. They are like they know that it's mostly going to be older people watching it, so it's like it's all about this medication commercials. And like, I'm sitting there every time it goes on commercial, I'm mute. Right? So maybe I need to fast from the Andy Griffith Show. Whatever is feeding your own belief, that's what you need to fast from. And most of us, listen, you know the, remember what I said in Mark 9, 23, the moment you think something is possible, it is. Do you know the reason that 
Ten years ago, there are certain things that would have never crossed your mind. But now you see it multiple times a day on social media. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. Social media, let's just be honest. And again, I'm not telling you to give it up. I'm not telling you you have to fast from it. I'm just making you aware of something. If it is feeding you unbelief, maybe you need to fast from it. Yeah. Maybe you need to get rid of it for a season. Again, not putting it on you. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just sharing something here, okay, that God's been dealing me on. Because I can be, like, I keep Facebook deleted from my phone. Because I find that when I, and I don't, again, I'll tell you do that. This is me speaking, sharing my heart. When I have it on my phone, I find myself just aimlessly scrolling. Right? <laughs> Any of us that's got it, we've been victims of that. And I don't like that. I'm like, what am I doing sitting here reading about other people's lives when i got two kids in there laughing and having fun, and I'm sitting in the living room scrolling and reading about other people's lives, reading about their arguments. Their, and nine times out of ten, they're not telling you about the good things in life. right? They're complaining about what's going on. And when you see it going on in their life, you have the thought, what if? Maybe. I'm just convinced that if God was calling corporate fast today, he would say, get rid of the screens. Yep. See, because, and here's where, I don't want to say the enemy is God's, because listen guys, I just preached from this this morning. This is awesome, right? Like my Bible is on here. I love this. Like, you know, I mean, it's great. It's fantastic. It's so helpful. But, you know, as I was having this thought over the last few days about fasting, you know, for, like, it's impossible to put this away and not need it because our entire world is connected to this device now. Now, that can be a blessing because, you know, family members that I've not seen in decades and probably will never see again in my life, I'm connected to them through this device. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, that that's great. That's awesome. Uh, this morning, I'm two hours away from my kids, but, but like this morning, 10 minutes out from here, I was able to talk to Grant. Very thankful for that, right? But at the same time, the enemy wants to use that. And he wants to hurt us with it. Right? And he wants you, listen, rather than this being the source of your imagination, rather than this being the source of your thought life, rather than this being the source of what goes through your mind, this becomes the source. Think about the word television. We talk about vision, right? And all we're saying is imagination. When I say imagination, people, I've had some people get upset. And I'm like, you're saying the same thing when you say vision, right? Tell a vision. When you, you know, I've noticed, uh, I live right beside my grandpa. I was raised by my grandpa and grandmother. My grandpa spends, seriously, 95% of his day just out on the porch. He is not on a smartphone. A lot of times I see him reading his Bible, but most of the time he's just sitting there. Yeah. I guarantee he hears God a lot more clearly than I do. Yeah. <laughs> guarantee. I've got a porch to sit on, right? But I've also got a phone to look at. Yeah. All right. So listen, if it's feeding your unbelief. If you find yourself anxious, troubled, 
distressed, fast from it. Or maybe it is food for you. Fast from it. Maybe whatever it is, video games, or you know, if you're younger and you play video games, right? fast from it. Whatever you find being the source of your frustration, being the source of your doubt, being the source of your fear, fast from it. And just try it. I'm telling you, since I deleted Facebook from my phone, I, you know, I still get on it on my computer occasionally and stuff, but I find that. With a computer sitting on my lap, I'm not as prone to sit there so long, right? Because i got to get up and do stuff anyways. So, but man, I noticed the reason I did that is I did it for like a week. And I was like, I've not noticed every little ache and pain. I've not noticed every little, you know, like, have you noticed that with people now? Like, used to, you used to be able to cough in public and people be like, you know, bless you or something like that. Now you cough in public and they're like, <laughs> you know, Why? You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that that could mean something if it wasn't for this. Right? People say, why did Adam and, why do you think Adam and Eve and Abraham and these people lived 900 years old? It's probably because they didn't know when they had a pain that that was arthritis. It's probably because they didn't know when their chest was hurt and maybe they've got a clogged artery. Just a thought. Give you another one that's something for you to meditate upon. Jesus said, it's not what goes into the body that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. Maybe honey buns aren't as bad for me as what I believe about honey buns are. <laughs> I'm just saying. I told someone the other day, and here's what I'm convinced of. This is being serious. I'm being serious about this one. Food's not killing us. What we believe about food is killing yeah. us. Most people aren't ready for that. I'll probably, I, you know, I've, I've seriously got like four notes in here the other day. I had that thought on just when you read scripture and you read the promises of healing and long life, not one of them is about diet and exercise. I'm not saying those things aren't profitable. Paul said those things profit little. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they help. Right? They help. They, they, they do. But. I never see Jesus telling anybody, have you tried keto? <laughs> have you gave up sugar? Dairy? God even promised his people a land flowing with milk, dairy, honey, sugar. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Read that entire verse. He says, eat the sweets. Come on. <sighs> but when you think it's possible, how many times do we sit down to eat and we say, now, I know this isn't good for me. Jesus seemed to teach in the Gospels that your stomach was created to handle anything. But what we do is we program our body. Now, I know this isn't good for me. I know I shouldn't have this. I know, I know this will upset me. You just open. We open the door. Yeah. Sorry, that's... Something to think about. You want my notes? I've got like, I've seriously got like 50 scriptures that make that up. But anyway, so this bless you guys today. Yes. Hey, Amen. All right, guys. Um, just so thankful for you all. Let's go ahead and uh, take up.